0: Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Chelsea. We are reading a lot of Jeremiah and Chelsea is very excited to talk about it.
0: (laughs) I think... Excited is the wrong word.
1: Nope, excited.
0: (laughs) I just have a lot of stuff to talk about.
1: All right, fantastic. Well, start us off, Chelsea.
0: (laughs) Um, Well, we start off in Jeremiah 8, and I just couldn't help but kind of draw some parallels to current culture. One of the verses is, I listen to their conversations and don't hear a word of truth. Is anyone sorry for doing wrong? Does anyone say what a terrible thing I have done? No, all are running down the path of sin, as swiftly as a horse galloping into battle. Um, I think you look around the culture today and you're like, Oh my gosh, things have never been worse. Um, but as you read, as you read the Bible, as you read all sorts of things in history, like people are always running towards the path of sin if they don't know God. Um, now we live in a pretty Godless culture, I would say, uh, similar to Babylon, similar to what's going on in Jeremiah's day. But, um, yeah, I, (laughs) I think it's easy to read this and kind of feel discouraged because I, I do, I look around. I'm like, is anyone even sorry for what they're doing? I no, they aren't. They don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't have the Lord. How can we expect people to be sorry for um, something where they don't have the Holy Spirit guiding them and convicting them?
1: Fine, I'm sorry. <laughs> this
0: is all just what one did big boy <laughs> to get up. I apologize, to me. <laughs> guys. Everyone, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's what stuck out to me at first.
1: Uh, It is funny, like, because uh, earlier in that passage, like you picked up in, I don't know, verse six, six, even like he starts out saying like, hey, when you go down the wrong road, don't you turn around and try to go the right way? (laughs) Like, it's just kind of like God saying, like, my people are committed to doing the wrong thing. They've been given several chances to turn around. There's no desire to turn around. And when you come to a place where you have no desire or intention to turn around, there is judgment.
0: Yeah. And even later on where it says, talking about um, priests and prophets, they offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wound and giving assurance of peace when there is no peace. Um, Again, I can relate that to today. I just like, I think sometimes churches can give these superficial treatments to the mortal wound of sin and um, eternity. (laughs) And I don't know. I just, uh, the, the actual healing balm to our souls is the gospel. Um, and every time we stray away from that to like highlight something that maybe, um, is popular in culture or sounds good to people, um, we're not doing them a favor. We're, we're just adding salt to the wound. That is their sin. Um, which is
1: also not new. Like yeah. it, It's easy to say, like, oh, man, look at where Christian faith is today. Well, guess what? It's been there before.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, we've been going down this path for a long time.
1: Yeah, it's actually cyclical. It's it's very cyclical mm-hmm. in nature in that you have people who no longer desire God. God acts. Eventually, there's repentance and desire for God, and it mm-hmm. just spins and spins and spins. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Um the other thing that I thought of—I is <laughs> I have my Christmas trees note in there. It talks about cutting down trees and putting gold and silver on them, and I was like, "Christmas trees in my
1: Bible?" <laughs> are you on the record? Are you going on the record with that, Chelsea? <laughs> no,
0: I like Christmas guys. <laughs> um, let's see what else. Uh, I just—I was looking at the Lord talk, talking about how He's going to scatter the Israelites, um, and just a reminder that this—the story that we're reading, this entire book of the Bible is not about Israel. It's about God. And um, when he says, I'm going to scatter them around the world, he isn't hopeless in saying like, well, now how is everyone going to be saved? Like God had this master plan of redemption um, from the very beginning. And um, this is not Israel's whole story. It's God's whole story. Um, Israel is the conduit through which we um, get Christ. But um, God's obviously in control over all this. And then there's the uncircumcised hearts, which I oh, man. Would, would like to talk about. <laughs> all
1: right, so Chelsea is pointing to Jeremiah nine, uh, verse twenty five. A time is coming, says the Lord, when I will punish all those who are circumcised in body but not in spirit. The Egyptians, the Edomites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the people who live in the desert and remote places, and yes, even the people of Judah, all are and like all these pagan nations, the people of Israel have be, have uncircumcised hearts. Um, Circumcision is something that people don't talk about a lot because it's awkward. Yay. Awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Circumcision was common in the ancient world in several different ways and means. It was not just exclusively Jewish. However, when God talks about it, he's talking about the sign of the covenant with Abraham. Mm -hmm. So circumcision becomes a very Jewish thing in that it is a mark of being a son of Abraham. Um, because it's a mark of the covenant of what God has promised. God promised Abraham that he would have descendants of many nations. God delivered on that promise. Um, It's a mark of that promise. What I want to do here is, Jeremiah, like in Jeremiah, God is saying like, hey, I'm kind of sick of this. Like I'm going after people who have uncircumcised hearts. So the Circumcision is typically not of the heart. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, So when God is saying that, it should get our attention. And it's another instance where God is saying, like, hey, I'm kind of sick of this religiosity. I want to see you have repentant hearts that are turned to me. Mm -hmm. Hearts that are open to God... Hearing God, following God—it's kind of that that same thing. Like, what do I need? Do I need ten thousand rams or ten thousand rivers of oil? No. Like, I'm not asking for all these signs of things. I want you to actually be the things. Um, So, I want—I want to tie this to Acts 15. In Acts 15, you have this like early church trying to figure out what's going on, what it means to be a believer. Um, It's unique because you have Gentiles, people who aren't Jews becoming Christians. And so the question becomes, what does a person have to do to be a follower of Jesus? Mm-hmm. So you have the Jerusalem council that happens in acts 15. And the point of it is just, what do you have to do to be a follower of Jesus? Mm-hmm. And what they come up with is shockingly low in <laughs> requirements, right? <laughs> um, especially to those who would have heard it and were Jewish because there was it, Jews, Jews, really did not know of Jews who weren't circumcised. Mm -hmm. So what they come up with is, you know what? To be a follower of Jesus, you don't actually need to be circumcised, which seems kind of scandalous. (laughs) Um, But it's because God wants circumcised hearts. He's less concerned about the, the physical and more concerned about the spiritual. So he wants to know that our lives are turned towards him, and we're not just all about outward appearances, that we care much more about inward things.
0: Right, I was looking up Acts fifteen just to fact check you, but you're all you're right on. Please
1: fact check me. <laughs> uh, the most hilarious thing about Acts fifteen is that the Jerusalem Council decides, hey, you don't have to be circumcised to be a follower of Jesus. Um, and immediately following that, Paul sets out on a ministry journey with Timothy, I believe, and tells him he has to be circumcised. Right
0: away. <laughs> He's like, hey.
1: So Timothy's like, gosh, the <laughs> bullet there, and then Paul's like, no, you didn't.
0: It's <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Uh, and there's there's
1: a whole other thing that, with that that we'll probably talk about when we get to Acts. And Paul's
0: like a big advocate of not being circumcised to become a Christian. A hundred percent. So
1: it's it should get her attention that he makes him do it anyway, really um, because it was not a, a spiritual necessity, but it was something that made ministry easier.
0: Yeah. And
1: yeah. Maybe if you're extra intuitive, you're like, how do people even know that stuff? That's gross. It's,
0: I think about that all the there's time. A lot, you yeah, there's, there's,
1: uh, there's a lot of answer. Yeah. There's <laughs> there's there's a lot of. Public nudity in that society actually, like, not just people chilling <laughs> out, gross. walking around, but like public bathrooms were pretty open air. Yeah. Uh, public spas, pu- like, you. I mean, you can actually go. You can go look at ruins and stuff. There's like huge, um like, open air baths that, like, you were nude. So that's how they There's knew, a guys.
0: Turn that I was not expecting. <laughs> there you
1: go, Jeremiah. Nude. I'm gonna bring it back to Jesus, please. <laughs>
0: At the very end of our reading today, um, it talks about a plot against Jeremiah. Um, the Lord told him about a plot that his enemies were making against him. And it says, I was like a lamb being led to the slaughter. I had no idea that they were planning to kill me. Let's destroy this man and all his words, they said. Let's cut him down so his name will be forgotten forever. Um, of course, lamb being led to a sla- the slaughter is a very real picture of Jesus and both the New Testament and the Old Testament. Um but I, what stuck out to me was the reasoning behind them killing him was, let's destroy this man and his words. And I was just thinking of the Pharisees and the people who offered up Jesus to be killed, hoping that what he would say would just disappear forever with him. Um, of course, we know that's not the case. And it's also not the case with Jeremiah. <laughs> um, this is a prophet that God has honored in a way that its he's in the Bible. And um, yeah, just thought it was interesting, good parallel to Christ.
1: Jeremiah chapter eight, starting in verse four, Jeremiah, say this to the people. This is what the Lord says. When people fall down, don't they get up again? When they discover they're on the wrong road, don't they turn back? Then why do people stay in their self-destructive path? Why do the people of Jerusalem refuse to turn back? They cling tightly to their lies and they will not turn around. I listen to their conversations and I don't hear a word of truth. Is anyone sorry for doing wrong? Does anyone say, what a terrible thing I've done? No. All are running down the path of sin, as swiftly as a horse galloping into battle. Even the stork that flies across the sky knows the time of her migration, as do the turtle dove, the swallow, and the crane. They all return at the proper time each year, but not my people. They do not know the Lord's laws. How can you say we are wise because we have the word of the Lord, when your teachers have twisted it by writing lies? These wise teachers will fall into the trap of their own foolishness, for they have rejected the word of the Lord. Are they so wise after all? I will give their wives to others and their farms to strangers. For the least to the greatest, their lives are all ruled by greed. Yes, even my prophets and priests are like that. They are all frauds. They offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wound. They give assurances of peace when there is no peace. Are they ashamed of these disgusting actions? Not at all. They don't even know how to blush. Therefore, they will lie among the slaughtered. They will be brought down when I punish them, says the Lord. I will surely consume them. There will be no more harvest of figs and grapes. Their fruit trees will all die. Whatever I gave them will soon be gone. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the people will say, why should we wait here to die? Come, let's go to the fortified towns and die there. For the Lord our God has decreed our destruction and has given us a cup of poison to drink because we sinned against the Lord. We hoped for peace, but no peace came. We hoped for a time of healing, but found only terror. The snorting of the enemy's war horses can be heard all the way from the land of Dan in the north. The neighing of the stallions makes the whole land tremble. They are coming to devour the land and everything in it, cities and people alike. I will send these enemy troops among you, like poisonous snakes you cannot charm. They will bite you and you will die. I, the Lord, have spoken. My grief is beyond healing, my heart is broken. Listen to the weeping of my people. It can be heard all across the land. Has the Lord abandoned Jerusalem, the people ask? Is her king no longer there? Oh, why have they provoked my anger with their carved idols and their worthless foreign gods, says the Lord? The harvest is finished, and the summer is gone, the people cry. Yet we are not saved. I hurt with the hurt of my people. I mourn, and I'm overcome with grief. Is there no medicine in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why is there no healing for the wounds of my people? If only my head were a pool of water and my eyes a fountain of tears, I would weep day and night for all my people who have been slaughtered. Oh, that I could go away and forget my people and live in a traveler's shack in the desert, for they are all adulterers, a pack of treacherous liars. My people bend their tongues like bows to shoot out lies. They refuse to stand up for truth. They only go from bad to worse. They don't know me, says the Lord. Beware of your neighbor. Don't even trust your brother. For brother takes advantage of brother, and friend slanders friend. They all fool and defraud each other. No one tells the truth. With practiced tongues they tell lies. They wear themselves out with all their sinning. They pile lie upon lie and utterly refuse to acknowledge me, says the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. See, I will melt down in a crucible and test them like metal. What else can I do with my people? For their tongues shoot lies like poisoned arrows. They speak friendly words to their neighbors while scheming in their heart to kill them. Should I not punish them for this, says the Lord? Should I not avenge myself against such a nation? I will weep for the mountains and wail for the wilderness pastures, for they are desolate and empty of life. The lowing of cattle is heard no more. The birds and wild animals have all fled. I will make Jerusalem into a heap of ruins, says the Lord. It will be a place haunted by jackals. The towns of Judah will be ghost towns with no one living in them. Who is wise enough to understand all this? Who has been instructed by the Lord and can explain it to others? Why has the land been so ruined that no one dares to travel through it? The Lord replies, This has happened because my people have abandoned my instructions. They have refused to obey what I said. Instead, they have stubbornly followed their own desires and worshipped the images of Baal as their ancestors taught them. So now, this is what the Lord of Heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Look, I will feed them with bitterness and give them poison to drink. I will scatter them around the world in places they and their ancestors never heard of, and even there I will chase them with the sword until I have destroyed them completely. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. Consider all this, and call for the mourners. Send for the women who mourn at funerals. Quick, begin your weeping. Let the tears flow from your eyes. Hear the people of Jerusalem crying in despair. We are ruined. We are completely humiliated. We must leave our land because our homes have been torn down. Listen, you women, to the words of the Lord. Open your ears to what He has to say. Teach your daughters to wail. Teach one another how to lament. For death has crept in through our windows and has entered our mansions. It has killed off the flower of our youth. Children no longer play in the streets, and young men no longer gather in the squares. This is what the Lord says. Bodies will be scattered across the fields like clumps of manure, like bundles of grain after the harvest. No one will be left to bury them. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom, or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord, who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth, and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. A time is coming, says the Lord, when I will punish all those who are circumcised in body and not in spirit. The Egyptians, the Edomites, Ammonites, Moabites, the people who live in the desert in remote places, and yes, even the people of Judah. And like all these pagan nations, the people of Israel also have uncircumcised hearts. Hear the word that the Lord speaks to you, O Israel. This is what the Lord says Do not act like other nations who try to read their future in the stars. Do not be afraid of their predictions, even though other nations are terrified by them. Their ways are futile and foolish. They cut down a tree and a craftsman carves an idol. They decorate it with gold and silver, and then they fasten it securely with a hammer and nail so it won't fall over. Their gods are like helpless scarecrows in a cucumber field. They cannot speak, and they need to be carried because they cannot walk. Do not be afraid of such gods, for they can neither harm you nor do any good. Lord, there is no one like you. For you are great, and your name is full of power. Who would not fear you, O king of nations? That title belongs to you alone. Among all the wise people of the earth and in all the kingdoms of the world, there is no one like you. People who worship idols are stupid and foolish. The things they worship are made of wood. They bring beaten sheets of silver from Tarshish and gold from Ufaz, and they give these materials to skillful craftsmen to make them idols. Then they dress these gods in royal blue and purple robes made by expert tailors. But the Lord is the only true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. The whole earth trembles at His anger. The nations cannot stand up to His wrath. Say this to those who worship other gods. Your so-called gods, who did not make the heavens to the earth, will vanish from the earth and from under the heavens. But the Lord made the earth by His power, and He preserves it by His wisdom. With His own understanding, He stretched out the heavens. When He speaks in the thunder, the heavens roar with rain. He causes the clouds to rise over the earth. He sends the lightning with the rain and replaces the wind from his storehouses. The whole human race is foolish and has no knowledge. The craftsmen are disgraced by the idols they make, for their carefully shaped works are a fraud. These idols have no breath or power. Idols are worthless. They are ridiculous lies. On the day of reckoning, they will all be destroyed. But the God of Israel is no idol. He is the creator of everything that exists, including Israel and his own special possession. The Lord of heaven's armies is his name. Pack your bags and prepare to leave. The siege is about to begin. For this is what the Lord says. Suddenly, I will fling out all of you who live in this land. I will pour great troubles upon you, and the last you feel will be my anger. My wound is severe. My grief is great. My sickness is incurable, but I must bear it. My home is gone, and no one is left to help me rebuild it. My children have been taken away, and I will never see them again. The shepherds of my people have lost their senses. They no longer seek wisdom from the Lord. Therefore, they fail completely, and their flocks are scattered. Listen, hear the terrifying roar of great armies as they roll down from the north. The towns of Judah will be destroyed and become a haunt for jackals. I know, the Lord, that our lives are not our own. We are not able to plan our own course. So correct me, Lord, but please be gentle. Do not correct me in anger, for I would die. Pour out your wrath on the nations that refuse to acknowledge you, on the peoples who do not call upon your name. For they have devoured your people Israel. They have devoured and consumed them, making the land desolate wilderness. The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, Remind the people of Judah and Jerusalem about the terms of my covenant with them. Say to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, Cursed is anyone who does not obey the terms of my covenant. For I said to your ancestors when I brought them out of the iron-smelting furnace of Egypt, If you obey me and do whatever I command you, then you will be my people and I will be your God. I said this so I could keep my promise to your ancestors to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, the land you live in today. Then I replied, Amen, Lord, may it be so. Then the Lord said, Broadcast this message in the streets of Jerusalem. Go from town to town throughout the land and say, Remember the ancient covenant and do everything it requires, for I solemnly warned your ancestors when I brought them out of Egypt, obey me. I have repeated this warning over and over to this day, but your ancestors did not listen or even pay attention. Instead, they stubbornly followed their own evil desires, and because they refused to obey, I brought upon them and cur- all the curses described in the covenant. Again, the Lord spoke to me and said, I have discovered a conspiracy against me among the people of Judah and Jerusalem. They have returned to the sins of their ancestors. They have refused to listen to me and are worshiping other gods. Israel and Judah have both broken the covenant I made with their ancestors. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I'm going to bring calamity upon them and they will not escape. Though they beg for mercy, I will not listen to their cries. Then the people of Judah and Jerusalem will pray to their idols and burn incense before them, but the idols will not save them when disaster strikes. Look now, people of Judah, you have as many gods as you have towns. You have as many altars of shame, altars for burning incense to your God, Baal, as there are streets in Jerusalem. Pray no more for these people, Jeremiah. Do not weep or pray for them, for I will not listen to them when they cry out to me in distress. What right do my beloved people have to come to my temple when they have done so many immoral things? Can their vows and sacrifices prevent their destruction? They actually rejoice in doing evil. I, the Lord, once called them a thriving olive tree, beautiful to see and full of good fruit. But now I have sent the fury of their enemies to burn them with fire, leaving them charred and broken. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, who planted this olive tree, have ordered it destroyed, for the people of Israel and Judah have done evil, arousing my anger by burning incense to Baal. Then the Lord told me about the plots my enemies were making against me. I was like a lamb being led to the slaughter. I had no idea that they were planning to kill me. Let's destroy this man in all his words, they said. Let's cut him down so his name will be forgotten forever. O Lord of heaven's armies, you make righteous judgments, and you examine the deepest thoughts and secrets. Let me see your vengeance against them, for I have committed my cause to you. This is what the Lord says about the men of Ananoth who wanted me dead. They had said, we will kill you if you do not stop prophesying in the Lord's name. So this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says about them. I will punish them. Their young men will die in battle, and their boys and girls will starve to death. Not one of these plotters from Ananoth will survive, and I will bring disaster upon them when their time of punishment comes. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, it means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, we would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, you can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you, and if you.